0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Being a follower of Jesus is great, but Jesus went places and did things for people. With that understanding, we look at a well-examined parable today. Pastor Dan continues the Where's My Church on Monday sermon series with this sermon called, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Well, a couple of things in honor of Chris. I'm wearing my compression socks.
1: Second, also, we, we found Give Aloha is also at Second Safe, so that's important to know. What's my third thing? Oh, my third thing is, um, the reason I have this here, I know this is a little unusual, um, and, and that is, um, last Friday, a couple days ago, I started losing my voice, and so I'm, I'm hoping uh, by drinking some hot water and honey, I will make through this uh, two-hour sermon. Um, LAUGHTER and if I, if I don't make it through, um, I, I'm serious, I'm gonna be asking um, one of you to come up and do my sermon for me. So please be attentive, uh, and my voice won't be as loud and you know, boisterous as normal. Um, well, everyone loves Fred Rogers, right? Mr. Rogers, in fact, there has uh, been a recent documentary on him, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, and pretty soon a new feature film about his life starring Tom Hanks, uh, who sounds like Tim Shaw. Um, Mr. Rogers was very kind to children, as we know, and adults, and according to his documentary, he promoted racial equality at a time when African Americans were not accepted. He supported uh, gays who worked for him at at a time when there was um, um, there was tremendous prejudice against them, um, and and best of all, he was a Presbyterian pastor. Aww. At a time uh, when life was getting more fast paced, the show remained laid back, and Mr. Rogers continued to leisurely enter his house, take off his jacket, put on his cardigan sweater, take off his outside shoes, like a nice Asian man would do, and uh, put on his sneakers, right, lace them up, and then ask uh, the viewers, won't you be my neighbor? This is part two of our series of where is my church uh, on Monday, meaning after a Sunday of worship and teaching, what do we do on Monday and beyond with this faith that we proclaim? We may have just sung about how much we love Jesus, how he's the hope and future of the world, Uh, but do we have any desire to tell others about him Monday through Saturday? So when we go back to our homes, our schools, our our neighborhoods, uh, when the church goes back into the community from these hallowed halls, uh, how do we behave? And more importantly, are we sharing the love of Jesus? Are we telling people the good news of what he has done for our lives, and if not, why not? Does the busyness of our days, the filled calendars with no white space, the stress and anxiety uh, prevent us from sharing uh, the good news? Or worse yet, maybe we don't care to share our faith. So time to look at the famous story that Jesus our Lord told us and see if there are any nuggets of truth for us. So we're going to turn to the Bible. Chris is going to come back up with his compression socks on. And um, he's going to read the Gospel of Luke passage, chapter 10, for us. So please stand as he reads the Gospel.
2: I got my sweater on, too. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 23. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man,
1: I just realized, for those of you who are watching on television, it was because of Chris's comment in last week's sermon that um, wearing compression socks gives you more strength, vitality, and makes you more, more mature as a Christian. <laughs> Something like that. I can't remember what you said. Okay, the parable of the Good Samaritan is one of the most famous parables that Jesus told, and it clearly defines and articulates what it means to follow Jesus, which is to love others. Our passage for today starts with a lawyer. That's why we had Chris read scripture. um, Asking the question of the ages. Uh, No, it's not, can I pray for a parking space? But rather, how can I inherit eternal life? That's a huge, big question. And then Jesus has him recite. "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then, the last part, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we can talk about worship, how we're going to give it all up for God, how every sinew of our spiritual muscle, your heart, your soul, your mind, uh, is for the Lord, but then Jesus adds the kicker, oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's such a profound statement because we all love ourselves. And I'm not talking about self-esteem, but the love we have for ourselves, even if we have poor self-esteem. Now, how do I know that about people? Well, if someone criticizes us, don't we usually defend ourselves? Uh, If we are wronged, we say that's unfair. We protect ourselves. It's an indication of how much we love ourselves. We will defend our pride, our faults, our weaknesses, our children who are extensions of ourselves. And we often treat, treat ourselves, pamper ourselves, and make sure others treat us well. So can we love others as much as we love ourselves? And the savvy lawyer asks Jesus the big question of the universe. Who is my neighbor? And because of that great, wonderful question, in addition to how can we have eternal life, Jesus takes the time, a lot of time, to tell a story. So let's really analyze his story, but first look at verse 23, which kicks it off turning to the disciples, (coughs) Jesus said to them privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. So Jesus is talking privately to his disciples as he's now talking to you and me. And he said, even though you have eyes and ears, make sure you are seeing and hearing what you see. You followers of Jesus, you've seen miracles. You have felt God's friendship in your heart. You've heard the good news, and what you have seen and heard, people would love to and long to see and hear it too. More importantly, many people may die without knowing what you know. Then Jesus tells the story, and there's so many levels to it, so may we open our eyes to really see them. Story, man's walking along a rocky and admittedly dangerous 16-mile road from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he gets attacked by robbers. Now, when the crowd hears this description, they might laugh and scoff, for this road is known to have robbers. So they might say, oh, what an idiot. They, what a stupid man. Of course the man would be beaten, stripped, robbed of his money. So perhaps Jesus is saying, at this very first level of the story, yes, there are people who have not made smart choices. Can you love them too? And through no fault of their own, there are people in our community who have physical ailments or mental ailments, they have no clothes, they have been stripped, they have little money, some are dying spiritually, physically, do you and I have the eyes to see that? Do we see that people in our own uh, jobs, in our offices, in our schools, in our classrooms, um, in our church, there are people who are really hurting? And in our communities, there are a lot of people who don't know about Jesus. Do we really care? Jesus then quickly gets to this next level. Do we care? Because it's really about apathy versus compassion. This man, bloody, naked, dying after the attack. Who will help him? Who will save him? And more importantly, who are you in this story? May you have eyes that see. So a priest enters the picture the crowd listening may think, ah, oh, surely a priest will stop and help. But Jesus says the priest sees the beaten man but walks by. And people must have said, whoa, maybe somebody blowing a low whistle, Ooh, and saying, someone saying, wow, that's a super surprise. And we may think, oh, well, that's not me in the story. But the Bible says all the followers of Jesus are called the priesthood of believers. That means all who follow Jesus, there are religious people, priests, who claim they follow a God who is loving and has told them to be loving. Now, how sad it is that religious people, church people, might not really care about a broken man. So the priest walks by. And then another person enters the picture a Levite. Now, you have to be born into the Levite clan, very special. You have been born into a privileged family. And to boot, you are religious too. For out of the Levite family comes the, um, came the temple priests. And Levites have studied the law. Uh, they know the rules, uh, just like the lawyer who asks, how do I inherit eternal life? And so you have morals, you have integrity, and you work hard in the temple if you're a Levite. But Jesus says, the Levite walks by the hurt man too. Now, can this be the modern-day Christian who knows all the Bible verses, maybe even attends church regularly, knows about the law, knows about the Ten Commandments, knows about the Apostles' Creed, says the Lord's Prayer, and then walks by? Would religious people actually walk by a person in need? Now, have you ever heard of the famous um, Darley-Batson study? In 1973, two social psychologists, John Darley and Daniel Batson, wanted to test this, this theory of would religious people actually help someone in need. So the researchers got 67 Princeton Seminary students together. They should have used fuller seminary students, would have been a better result, but that's okay. You'll see what happens. So half were told to prepare a talk on seminary jobs. The other half of the students were actually given the Good Samaritan parable to study and told to incorporate it in their talk. Then at some point in their, in their writing, their talks, they were told they needed to go over to another building on campus, across campus, because they couldn't use their present room. And some were told, it'll be a few minutes before they're ready for you, and you might as well head over. No sense of rush. Others were told, the assistant is ready for you now, so please go over right over. And so a little more rushed. And the third group were told, you're late. You better get going. In other words, they were rushed. On the way, the students encountered a staged emergency. A man was slumped in the doorway. His eyes were closed. He was coughing, not moving or talking, pretending to be obviously in distress. From a hidden spot, the psychologist watched how each of the seminarians would respond. 90% of the seminarians who were told they were late and as a result felt rushed, walked by the man. 90% did not help. And some of them even walked over the man to get to the other room. 63% who were not as hurried did stop. But guess this, surprisingly, there was little difference between the students who were supposed to teach the Good Samaritan story and those who did not. As it says in Princess Bride, inconceivable. Now, when you hear this, you might be wondering, would our own church pastoral staff do this? Perish the thought. Well, about four years ago, Pastor Steve Page was interviewed for an assistant pastor's position in this church. Anyone who has worked with me knows you do not arrive late for an appointment. Arriving in time is super important. It's like a form of personal hygiene. And for a job interview is really bad. I mean, it's really bad if you walk in late while we are all sitting there. If you are early, in my opinion, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, it's the kiss of death. So on the appointed day, Chris Pan and Ron Matthew were waiting to interview Steve. But Steve didn't show up. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. No Steve, bad news. His head was on the chopping block. It could mean he would be dropped from the list of all the applicants. And then finally, Steve showed up at least 15 minutes late. He looked like he needed a drink. (laughs) They gave him some water. He seemed a bit hassled and stressed. Steve knew he had to be in time for his future weighed in the balance, but why was he late? It turned out that while he was driving up H3, a car in front of him banged into one side of the highway and then went over to the other side, crashed into that side, and then flipped around and, um, and... And and did kind of a 360, so Steve stopped his car, got out, ran to that other car, helped one of the two injured people out of the car in fear that their car might burst into flames. An off-duty firefighter also stopped, offered to help, and only when Steve knew that the ambulance that he had called was on the way and that the injured man was safe with the um, firefighter there, who obviously knew first aid and medical care, And at that point, did he drive to First Press for his interview? So yay, Steve, he passed the test. (laughs) He did not miss an opportunity to help. He was late because he was a good Sam, and that is why he is on staff today. (laughs) Let's get back to the other Good Samaritan story in the Bible. Man is bleeding in the road, stripped, beaten, robbed. Priest walks by, doesn't help. Levite walks by, doesn't help. And then comes a Samaritan. And this Jewish crowd is thinking, oh, not a Samaritan. See, Jews, Jewish people didn't, don't like Samaritans. And Samaritans don't like the Jews, for they destroyed their temple. So that was a good reason to hate them. And for this parable, interesting, Jesus picked a disliked, disrespected, maybe even a hated character to be the third person. So for us in modern day, maybe Jesus would choose someone we wouldn't expect, like a Muslim, or a Buddhist, or pick your worst enemy, a liberal, progressive, AOC voting Democrat, (laughs) or a conservative, Fox News watching Republican, and you say, no, not that person in the story, and you have to understand the cultural context Jesus is shocking his listening audience. He's, a cho- he's chosen a Samaritan for his next character. He picked the least likely hero, the least loved person. And this Samaritan, riding on a donkey, sees the dying man on the side of the road. The Samaritan gets down from his high horse, so to speak, lowers himself to the level of the victim lying on the ground, and he stops and sees a man in need. And it could be a trap, you know, where robbers used to pretend they were a victim and then you stop and they jump out and beat you up. But the Samaritan is bold. He risks it, stops it. He sees a man truly in need. And sometimes when we're in school or in an office, we need eyes or the neighborhood to really see that people are in need and they desperately need God. So, Don't walk too fast to the water cooler or to your desk on Monday. Maybe somebody's being bullied, maybe someone's being taken advantage of. You see it at school, in a staff meeting, someone is really sick and weak. For the good Samaritan, he takes time. He probably gets down on his knees and, and bandages the man's wounds. He uses his talent to do that. He uses oil and wine. Um, pours it on the wounds, bandages them, and then he puts the men on his animal. And remember, this is the animal that he was planning to ride, but now he's going to have to walk the many miles left on his trip. And remember, it's 16 miles from Jerusalem to or Jericho to Jerusalem, so we don't know at what point the story happens. But, he's, but this get this, he chose to sacrifice for a man he doesn't know. They come to the inn, and now he is sharing not only his time and talent, but his money. He pays enough to take care of the victim's nights at the inn and any other expenses he might incur. Basically, he's telling the innkeeper, put it on my tab, I'll cover it. And here's where Samuel L. Jackson, playing the innkeeper, might say to the Samaritan, well, what's in your wallet? And the man says, you have to get the joke. And the man says, (laughs) love. Love for a stranger. So the Samaritan shared his time, talent, and treasure for a stranger. And the crowd is astounded with this story. And then Jesus asks that expert in the law, that lawyer, who started this whole conversation, now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? And the lawyer says, the one who had mercy on him and then Jesus says, go and do likewise. Dun, dun, that's like the killer line. Now, can you and I make it part of our core values, part of our lifestyle to go and do likewise? To be a neighbor and to see who our neighbors are. Go and do likewise. So notice, at the very end, the lawyer's question gets all flipped around The lawyer wants to know, who is my neighbor? And Jesus starts off the story, and you think he's going to say, the man who was beaten up is the neighbor, so go help your neighbor. But Jesus flips it and asks, among the three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, was the neighbor, who was the neighbor to the man who was robbed? The lawyer then is challenged, he goes, oh my God, Jesus is saying, I am supposed to be the neighbor. And the definition of a neighbor is someone who helps other people. I should be the neighbor to others who are really, in some sense, my neighbor too. So when we become Christians, it is because God has (coughs) given himself to us He sacrificed his life for us. He has hanaed us into his own family. And he has generously blessed us. So the challenge he says to us is, with all of the blessings and the friendship I have given you, will you be a neighbor to others? Will you try to help the dying, the wounded, the sick, the stranger in the land? And it's interesting that when Mr. Rogers tries to help children with like scary news that might occur like 9-11, he says he's reminded of, of what his mother would say to him. She said, always look for the helpers. There's always someone who is trying to help. And Mr. Rogers did. He looked around and said, oh, I came to see the world is full of doctors and nurses and police officers and firefighters and volunteers, neighbors and friends who are ready to jump in when things go wrong. They were neighbors to their neighbor. When someone is in trouble, would you be one of those trying to help? Won't you be my neighbor? Now, let's go a little deeper in this. On one hand, we must be active in social justice, helping the poor, the immigrant in the land, the weak, the widow, all the categories that Jesus himself listed. But the story takes it further. The Samaritan was an enemy of the Jews. And Jesus, the shocking news is, he's calling us to love all people, even our enemies. It's that radical even the enemies in our family, our job, or other places. But let's go even deeper, and here's where I want to land. We might be tempted after listening to this parable that there are good deeds we must do to inherit life. It's all about good works. No. To inherit eternal life is to follow Jesus, who's telling the parable. Yes, we must love others unconditionally, but we won't do that very well until we have come to grips on how God loves us unconditionally. So this is not a head trip or some intellectual acknowledgement of a God. It is to experience God as a friend and the best neighbor and Lord in the world. Unless we know Jesus, unless we experience his Holy Spirit, it'll be very hard to love as God loves. And note that the gospel of Jesus is to love others as Jesus loves us. Now, you say, that's impossible unless you have personally experienced Christ's unconditional love. So you see, the lawyer was all into the letter of the law and was trying to test and trick Jesus But Jesus was into the spirit of the law, which is God is crazy in love with us, and he offers us his friendship and his Holy Spirit to live in us. So we all need a spiritual friendship with Jesus. He is the greatest neighbor we could ever want. And he died for us, remember. He took our place, He went on a cross instead of us, and he offers us the best spiritual bandages for our soulful wounds. I just came back from a a global summit meeting from uh, Compassion International in Colorado. And they flew in only, I think, for the second time in their history, all of the country directors and the senior staff to get them all together to hear the vision and the tribal beat of their leader, uh, Jimmy Miato, the CEO. And we had, um, just as we had two worship and vision nights here at the church, important for the leader to say, here's the vision for the next few years. So it's important for them all to be in alignment. And I was grateful to be invited to Denver as one of um, 10 pastors. Uh, By the way, as an aside, when you hear me say, as in past years I traveled to England or Japan or South Korea or Colorado or New York or California for fuller seminary meetings, um, I I don't use church money. Um, Outside donors or organizations pay my way. And so it's all related to our church ministry, but being a frugal Chinese person, I get outside donors to pay for the trips, and normally for all the staff who join me. Okay, but one of the reasons I love Compassion International is that they they help children in poverty, right? With clothes, with food, with medicine, with education. But also for them, the kids, to know and experience Jesus Christ as a friend, and that's the eternal blessing. Bread in one hand, Bible in the other, and not all Christian human relief organizations do that. It's for compassion, it's, it's both and, it's not either or. And so the children, the teenagers, the adults they grow into, they all say that the moment they were released from poverty was not when economically things got better, but when they found a personal relationship in Jesus. At that moment, they were released from a poverty of mind that they didn't count, they'll never amount to anything, no one believed in them, and they now felt free and knew that they were loved by the almighty God and the people who follow him. Sometimes we help people materially or medically, but we forget how we can best help them, and that's to tell them about Jesus. In a sense, can we get off of our high horses and have the eyes to see that people need Jesus and figure out a way to share our faith in a non-aggressive way and in a way that shows the love of Jesus. Having people know Jesus and dedicate their lives to him is really the only hope of the world. It's a pretty challenging, evil, sinful, sick world. Now, for many people, if I were to ask them to share their faith, they might respond, I don't know what to say. And um, when we often talk about sharing faith, we can get scared. But why is that? Um, How can we be the church on Monday after praising God on Sunday? And for some, to start off at the first level, (coughs) hang on. to start off at the first level, we may first need to see that people need Jesus just like we do. And we need to open up our eyes, and you know, if you know of of the pain in our church, if you've been to healing services and prayed for people, uh, there's a lot of pain, and um, for some a lot of searching where there is even a God. And you may be the only Bible some people read to help them know that there is a loving God. And we need to use our eyes and not be blind like the priest or the Levite and pretend we don't see and walk on the other side. And we don't want to be rushed or hurried like those seminarian students. So the challenge for us is that, um, hang on, (coughs) you don't need to be eloquent and you might stutter or stammer you might cough like me today. Um, And actually, maybe you don't have to say very much because you have the Holy Spirit. And he will give you uh, the words you need uh, at the right time, and he will show you his power. That's why in past years, I've been emphasizing the Holy Spirit that we all need. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human power, but on God's power. And that's the hope for all of us, that when we share our faith, um, when I preach, it's not about eloquence or presentation so much, but that God might speak through us. And so when it comes to sharing our faith with each other, I pray that the Holy Spirit in us will just say, hey, just share the gospel with that person. Let him or or her know about God's love. And you don't need to preach, just you use your eyes and ears and sense when is a good time to show God's love. And um, actually all the time it's good to show God's love, but sometimes we really need to be more intentional about pointing them to God. So if you have a great relationship with God, then why not share it and be a good neighbor? Um, now, I want to get very personal with you all. Uh, there's some in this room who might be feeling their faith is on low. It's more like a pilot light than a bonfire. And, you know, the good news is sometimes when we share our weakness with other people, um, that, that's very attractive because you're just being open and transparent and honest That might be the greatest testimony of all. Not that you have it all together, but that um, you're a follower of Jesus even though you have doubts at times, and you're working on a lot of issues. And sometimes we might say, we know he's true, he offers us a friendship, and I know somehow as hard as life is, I'm still gonna trust him. I'm not perfect, he knows that, And he actually has forgiven all of my sins. And that's what sharing your faith is. It's just being open and used by the Holy Spirit. And it just might be saying, hey, to somebody else, I know you're going through a tough time. And I know for me, sometimes it helps when I pray and talk to God. And just let it hang there to see if the person wants to pray. And if they say yes, then you're starting to put on the spiritual bandages on their soul. Um... So, I wanna close with, uh, just for us, that I know we're all going through some tough stuff, and I just wanna pray for you. And specifically, if you're going through a challenge, a real burden, and the Lord knows it, that would you be willing just to stand up and that we could pray for you, and give some other good Sam's the opportunity to come around and ask permission to put a hand maybe on your shoulder, And they just pray silently. They they don't have to say anything just to pray silently. And you don't even have to share what the need is unless you want to. As I said to you, um, oftentimes if I'm at at another church and somebody's preaching and they say, who wants prayer? I always come forward or I stand up because God always surprises me with an extra boost of his presence or, or his love. So if there's anyone here, if you could please stand right now and I'm gonna say a short prayer and then others will pray for you. I know in the first service people stood and so anyone, as a band, as a team's coming up here, does anyone have a prayer need? If you could just stand where you are and maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now that this would be a time um, that we can pray together. Over here and then over here. And so others near you, could you just stand near them and ask their permission to put a hand on their shoulder and just pray for them? And... um, and we'll continue praying as we sing these next this next song. Anyone else? Some over there. And over here. And back over there. And way in the back. In the back row. Okay. Let me pray. Lord, um, you know what's on these people's hearts. And I pray for your healing if it's physical. In the name of Jesus, may they be healed. If it's emotional, surround them with your love. And as the others... Uh, continue to pray can we all stand and we will just glorify our lord as we in a sense we're just saying come holy spirit come as we praise you and thank you
2: how marvelous how wonderful is our savior's love for us Uh, may we go into the world with eyes to see this week Uh, if you would like prayer after the service please come forward we'll have members of our prayer team willing to pray with you happy to pray with you in front of the cross and on this side over here Uh, but know the deep love of Jesus for you. You now receive this final blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: The point seems obvious. We all see the Samaritan as having done the right thing. Jesus is telling us we need to look for opportunities to be helpful to others, to share our faith, even when we may not want to. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.